you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. Again, we're going to be speaking on neither give place to the devil. And we all have to be on our guard, as Brother Dave said. It says in verse 24, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, pulling away, lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And we need to constantly remember that, that each one of us here at Mount Zion are members one of another. Be you angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Because if you do any of those things above, you're giving place to the devil. May we pray. Father, pray that you'll bless us as we look into your word. We give you thanks for this opportunity. May the Lord Jesus be lifted up. May God be glorified. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue our study on this subject, it's amazing how many people don't realize how they are affected by the devil. Any disobedience to the Lord, any disobedience to His Word, is bringing you into the territory of Satan. Sometimes we don't realize that. Jesus says, Ever who you obey, His servants you are. And remember, Satan is the author of sin, and he's the one that attacked our first parents, Adam and Eve, the head of the human race. And he deceived them and brought the whole world into chaos. This morning I want to speak about Jesus has overcome the devil. I want to encourage us that the battle has been won. If you read the book of Revelation, you can see Jesus giving his message to his angel to give to John, John the Apostle. And he wrote the book of Revelation. And as you read that, we see at the last chapter, we have won the victory. Satan is cast into the bottomless pit, him and his demons. There's a new heaven and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And we should forever be with the Lord. That's our destiny. And in Matthew chapter 12, 29, Jesus was talking about these things. And he said, talking about Satan. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods? Talking about Satan except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Now, Satan is the strong man, but Jesus is stronger than Satan. Satan has power. And Jesus overcame the devil through the power of the Holy Spirit as a man. He had the power of God. He said, if I cast out devils by the finger of the Spirit of God, the Spirit. And he's talking about the greatness of his power. Every one of us were in bondage by the strong man. Every one of us. 
One time in our lives, we were under the bondage, under the influence, under the control of Satan. Everyone in this congregation, no exceptions. But then the stronger man came into the world. He said in Matthew 121, they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now his saving work included conquering the devil. Sometimes we think of Jesus' work as just simply dying on the cross and saving us from hell. But there's more to what he did than just that. Jesus said in Luke 10, 18, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. Well, that was before he came into the world. How could he behold Satan? Because he was the eternal Son of God. He pre-existed before he ever was was incarnated in time and flesh. And he beheld Satan and his demons being cast down to hell, down to earth. We serve a wonderful God. Jesus in the Revelation is called the Almighty, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, which was and is and is to come, the Almighty. Satan is not almighty. He's powerful, but not almighty. Jesus is the almighty one. Another thing we see about Satan, he had the power of death. And that was brought about in the Garden of Eden, as we're going to see when we get into those verses. He brought death into the world through Adam and Eve. We all sinned in Adam and Eve. When they sinned, we sinned. The whole world was plunged into death. The day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Beloved, everyone spiritually died in that day and needed a Redeemer, needed a Savior, needed the grace of God because God did not owe us anything. He could have left man in his state, damned him out through eternity, forever and ever, and still been just. Brother Dave. It says in Hebrews 2.14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took the part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. All through the book of uh, Genesis 1.1 to Revelation 2.21, you see Jesus destroying the works of the devil, conquering death, raising the dead, Forgiving sins, healing the lepers, healing the blind. He was overcoming the works of the devil. And the main thing, he overcame death. He gave us spiritual life. We passed from death unto life and to the kingdom of God's dear son. He's the one that took us out of Satan's bondage and moved us into his kingdom. Because he's the Almighty. He's the one that's stronger than the strong man. Jesus said in John 12, 31, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. He's cast out. You, you read his parables and you read his life where he cast out demons, legion, many. He cast them out. And there was so many that they wanted to go into the pigs and they ran off into the water, drowned it.
He cast them out. He had authority to cast out devils, demons. Because he has all powers given to me in heaven and earth, the Lord said. Beloved, when we look to the Lord, we look to the one who has all strength, all power, all might, almighty. We should say, Lord, like the man who prayed, I believe, but help my unbelief. How can we doubt such an almighty God, an almighty Savior? As David read that scripture this morning or quoted it. If God be for us, who can be against us? The only thing we need to fear when we serve God is serve His chastisement. God does chastise us, but He does it in love. That's the wonderful thing about it. For our good. It says in, that He's over the principalities and powers of sport and triumphed over them in Colossians 2.15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. When he died on the cross and, and conquered the devil, he conquered principalities, he conquered powers, he conquered everything that was against him. He is almighty, beloved. As we get on into this message, you'll see how he did that. And thus the head of the old serpent is bruised. You know, Genesis 3.15, it says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy heel. Talking about Satan bruising the heel of Christ. And thou shalt bruise his heel, head, which is talking about Christ, and bruise his heel, talking about Satan. Beloved, Jesus bruised the head of Satan when he died on the cross. And all through his ministry, you see him overcoming Satan, through overcoming demons, healing the blind, casting out demons, making them whole. What a wonderful Savior we serve. As you read the Word of God, as you read the New Testament, notice these things. Take heed of these things. See your Savior as he's overcoming the evil of this world. Jesus said, Satan cometh and he has nothing in me. There was nothing in Christ to tempt, be tempted. You and I, that can't, we, we, we do have something inside of us. We have a fallen nature. When he revealed himself to Apostle Paul on the road of Damascus, Paul was on his way to arrest Christians, put them in prison, make them blaspheme the name of God. All of a sudden, a light appeared. Above the lightness of the sun. And he appeared to Paul. And Paul didn't know who he was at first. Because he said, Who art thou, Lord? Then Jesus said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. So the Lord revealed himself to Paul because Paul was going to be called to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And all the apostles was called by Jesus. And that's why he appeared to Paul, I believe, because he was called out of the world to be an apostle to the Gentiles, which we are Gentiles. And then as he was talking to Paul, he said this, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. 
Our faith is in Jesus Christ. We're set apart by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been translated by the new birth out of the Satan's kingdom into the kingdom of God's dear Son. That took place in regeneration. But we come to knowledge of that through the preaching of the Word of God. The Word is what gives us light inwardly. The Holy Spirit shines shines into our hearts and gives us that ability to see and to receive the Word into our hearts and to believe the Word of God. Turn from darkness to light. Remember, we're not of this world. We should have nothing to do with darkness. And that means sin. Sin. We've been turned to light. Light is a picture of godliness, holiness. And from the power of Satan, we're no no longer under the power of Satan, but we're under the power of God. And the blessing of that being born again and coming under that knowledge, we receive in our consciousness the forgiveness of sins. Oh, happy day when you come to that knowledge that your sins have been forgiven for the Lord's sake. An inheritance. Oh, beloved, you may be poor in this world, but we're going to share in the inheritance of Jesus Christ, Brother Dave. What he has and is, we'll share. We're his elder brothers. He's our elder brother, and we share into what he has, his inheritance. We will share that. That's beyond anything that we can even imagine. I know he said, I go and prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. What a wonderful thought that is. Another thought I want us to think about, Jesus came to do what? To destroy the works of the devil. We talked, we mentioned this in 1 John when we was teaching on 1 John 3, 8. He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. What Satan had built up, the Lord came to tear down and to destroy it. And we're going to see how he did that as we go through the message. So Christ came not only to save you, but to destroy the works of the devil. First of all, we see he is incarnation in first uh, first John 3, 5, it says, And you know that He was manifested, His incarnation, to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. He's sinless. Without sin, without blemish, without spot, Jesus is holy, harmless. No sin in the Lord. First John 4, 4, 15 says, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God. And what did the eunuch say? I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I want to be baptized. I believe He's the Son of God. And Philip said, Thou mayest. God dwelleth in Him, and He in God. It's a wonderful privilege to have the faith to believe that Jesus is the Son of the living God. That's so important. He says in verse 5, chapter 5, verse 5, Who is He that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God, that gives you the victory over the world. Watch your faith in God's Son. The Son of God is what gives you the victory over the world. You lay hold of Him as we're going to see. Keep your eyes on the Lord. 
Stay close to the Lord. Commune with the Lord. Confess your sins to the Lord. Have fellowship with the Lord in His Word. Spend time in prayer, sending up your prayers to the Lord in the name of Jesus. Chapter 5, verse 12, He said, He that hath the Son hath life. How do you know if you have life this morning? Spiritual life. If you have a Son, you have life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. That's the key. Jesus is the key to everything. He's the preeminence. He's the answer to all mysteries. Jesus is the one that we need to believe on and to trust in and to cling to. He says, I am come that you may have, might have life and have it more abundantly. Brother Ross, the abundant life. Spiritual blessings come through Jesus. He says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. I've written these things that you can know that you have eternal life. It's assurance of salvation. It's another blessing. Nothing greater than to know that you're a child of God. Have that assurance in your soul. Brother Dave is speaking about in his prayer this morning. To have that in your heart and soul. There's no price can be put on that. And you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Beloved, the purpose of preaching is to bring God's people to belief and faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says, I do all things for the elect's sake. We do all things for the elect's sake. He said, take the gospel and preach it into the whole world. Why is that? To reach God's people which are scattered abroad. He said in verse 20 of chapter 5, and we know that the Son of God has come. We know that. We have the history of it in the Old and New Testament. And hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. We know Him. The Holy Spirit comes into our hearts pointing to Jesus. He shall testify of me. And we know the Father. Jesus said, no one can know the Father except by me. And we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Oh, do you believe in the true God and eternal life this morning, Jesus Christ? Because many in the days when First John was written, Genesticism and all those false cults did not believe in Jesus, the Son of God. They believed He was a phantom. He was a ghost. He wasn't even real. They didn't believe in blood redemption. They didn't believe in salvation by grace. The higher knowledge... They wanted more knowledge. You had more knowledge you got to greater your spirituality. They were under the influence of Satan. This is the true God. Paul speaks about the true and living God in Corinthians. The Son of God points back to His pre-existence as the eternal Son of God. I believe in the eternal existence of the Son of God before He was ever incarnated. He existed in His deity as the Son of God. Some deny that today. And for the purpose to destroy the works of the devil. You say, how did He destroy the works of the devil? And I'm glad you asked me that question. First of all, by removing the curse. We all were born in sin, born under the law, born under the curse. 
that came upon all of the whole world when we sinned in Adam. In the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. He died spiritually. He didn't die physically, but he died spiritually. He lost that oneness with God. He lost that fellowship with God. He came under the bondage. He came under the authority of Satan at that moment. Satan is the murderer. And that's where he began. And Paul says in Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Jesus had to remove the curse out of the way. Being made a curse for us. Who would have ever thought that the King of glory, the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, would come to earth and become a curse for you and I? What a Savior. We sing that song, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Truly He is. How could He love me so, that songwriter says. How could... He go to Calvary, go. How could he love me so? Beloved, so it's an amazing grace we see here that Jesus died as a curse in our place for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Because he was cursed, we will never be cursed. That's why we have his righteousness imputed to us. I stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We stand in his righteousness. One day we'll stand before God, not in our righteousness, but in His righteousness. So be thankful this morning. One way the Lord destroyed the curse was bearing that curse for you and I on, on the cross. He removed or bare our sins, Peter says in 1 Peter 2.24, who His own self bare our sins in His own body on the tree, his body, he had to have a flesh. He became flesh. Why? So he could bear our sins in his body, in his physical body. We can never even grasp what that was. When the father turned his back on the Lord and he cried out, My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? It's because at that time he was bearing our sins in his body on the tree. In his body he became the curse of God and bore our sins and removed them as far as the east is from the west. When Satan points you to your sins, point, you point him to Christ in the Calvary. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. You were healed by his stripes. He was beaten with the cattails until blood was coming out of his back and he was, he was crushed under the, under the beating and the, and the thorns in his head and they pierced his feet and his hands. Oh, beloved. But the inward suffering of the wrath of God was beyond anything we can imagine. So he removed our sins, and by doing that, he washed our sins away. Revelation 1.5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, he was faithful unto death all the way to the end. He never backed up. And the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, Who loved me, and died and gave himself for me. It's personal. Can you personally say that this morning? That Jesus loved me and died and gave himself for me. That is the greatest confidence you can ever have on this side of eternity. He loved me. 
who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Where is our sins? They've been washed away by the blood of Jesus, never to be remembered no more against us. It says there are sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Does that mean God forgot our sins? No, he knows everything. But it means judicially, by the law, they're not going to be brought up against us. We won't have to face those sins when it comes to judgment. Because Jesus washed them away by his blood. He bore that pain in his body. And he was made a curse on hanging on the tree. Now what did all that accomplish? What Satan accomplished when he caused Adam and Eve to sin, he separated man from God. We were separated from God. No longer did they have the sweet fellowship. Sin separates. It doesn't separate us from God as far as our eternal salvation, but sin separates us from the fellowship of God, from the joy of the Lord. You can't live in sin and enjoy the Lord. It's impossible. So we see next the, the effect of what he did is reconciliation with God. Romans chapter 5 verses 10 and 11. For if when we were enemies, when we were enemies he died for us, Paul says in Romans 5. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. How we brought back into oneness with God by the death of Christ. Much more. Being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life, his resurrected life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom now we have received the atonement or the reconciliation. We have been reconciled to God by the death of his son. We are back at peace with God. We're one with God. We're in fellowship with God. How? All through the work of Jesus Christ. Satan separated us. The Lord united us back. Satan brought us under the curse. Jesus removed the curse. Satan condemns us of our sins and and goes before God. But Jesus bore our sins in his body and he washed them away by his blood. Oh, you see how Jesus defeated Satan by his death, by his burial, and by his resurrection. He overcome the devil, overcome the enemy. What a blessing that is, beloved. He shall return and we shall be changed into his likeness. It's not over till he comes back, beloved. He's coming again. He's coming again. That's the good news. Remember years ago, the Bill Gaither used to sing, The King is Coming. You ever heard that song? The King is Coming. That's a beautiful hymn. I, I used to listen to that over and over. The King is Coming. He is coming. Hallelujah. It said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear in his second coming, we shall be like him. Hallelujah. You know, we, don't, we have never really seen the Lord. We, Dave mentioned and we talked about, we, sit, we, have, we don't see Christ with a physical eye. We see him spiritually. But that day when he appears, we're going to see him physically as he is in his glorified glory. Oh, that's going to, and, we, and then by seeing him, we're going to be changed into that same physical glorified body ourselves. Oh, I tell you something. That's something that make you want to shout. Amen. Get excited about it. Raise your hands unto the Lord. Amen. For we shall see him as he is. 
And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And Jesus is pure, beloved, with no sin, no blemish. And one day we're going to be pure like the Lord. I'll tell you something. If I long for anything, it's to not have any sin anymore in me. When I go to pray, there won't be no wandering thoughts. When I go to pray or try to serve the Lord, there won't be something else coming into my mind or some of something pulling me this way or that way. I'll be totally 100% pure in my heart and soul and mind like Jesus. As He is, He's holy, I'll be holy. He's pure, we'll be pure. He has a glorified body, we'll have a glorified body. He is righteous, we'll be righteous. Beloved, we have something to get excited about. Instead of walking around, you know, feeling sorry for yourself and say, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. But sometimes we all get there. I have to confess, I get down sometimes. At times we all get depressed. Sometimes we don't even know why. We just get down and out in our minds and thoughts. Maybe it's because we kind of get our eyes off the Lord. We will be conformed into the image of Christ, not in part, but in whole. We shall be like Him. That is the hope. The day is coming when I will be totally, completely like Christ Jesus, spiritually and physically. I won't be Jesus, and you won't, but we'll share His glorification, His glorified, we'll be glorified as He is. There'll be a oneness like we've never experienced. And we should be looking forward to that day. No matter how discouraged you get, have hope. Our hope is in the Lord. Our hope is in God. And in closing this morning, I want to bring a few scriptures to your mind. You know, it says in Ephesians 6.17 that we're to overcome the devil by the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I'm going to give you some verses. I want you to meditate upon these verses these coming weeks and study them out. And by God's grace, I'm going to be preaching upon these verses as we go through this, this subject. First of all, Paul encourages in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. This is a great verse for God's people who are serving the Lord. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Satan wants to come and tell you, oh, you being faithful to the Lord, going to church, doing, serving Him, it's all in vain. No, it's not. Paul says here by Holy Spirit, it's not in vain in the Lord to serve God. Because that message over in Malachi where he speaks about God writing down about his people when they meet together. Is it vain to serve God? They said, no, it's not vain to serve the true in God. Come in judge at the last day when the, when the world's on fire and everything being destroyed. Then say, is it vain to serve God when people are being brought before the white, great white throne judgment and cast into hell far forever and ever? Will you say, then it's vain to serve God? Beloved, there's coming a reality when these things will come to pass. Those those on the right hand will enter into the joy of the Lord. Those on the left will be cast into hell fire forever and forever and forever. Jesus said, many shall profess unto me in that day. 
Lord, Lord, we did this in your name and that in your name. And I profess unto them, he says, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. So if a person is working sin and living in sin their whole lives, their destiny is not heaven, no matter what they may profess. Many are deceived in this world. So it's not in vain. Second Corinthians 11, 3, Paul says, But I fear lest, lest, lest by any means, as the servant begotted Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. We have to guard our minds. Where does Satan work? He works in our minds and thoughts, beloved. Where's your biggest battle? In your, in your thought life, in your battles. It could be unbelief. It could be the point where Satan says, how do you know there's a God? You ever had that question come into your mind? Maybe this is all in vain. There's no God. When you're dead, you're dead like a chicken. Satan brings those thoughts to people's minds and tries to put doubt and fear into people. That's how he works. He wants to turn us away from the simplicity of Christ. Or he'll try to add works to salvation to make it something that it's not. So remember that Satan is constantly trying to deceive you and I as he deceived Eve. Also, we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. You should write these references down and study them later when you have time. 2 Corinthians 11, 3. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, he says, Paul said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Notice this, mighty through God, Brother Dave. To the pulling down of strongholds. Now, every one of us at times has strongholds that gets into our lives that causes us to stop in our Christian life. Casting down imaginations or things that come into our mind that shouldn't be there. We need to cast those things down. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, anything that comes into your mind and in my mind that goes against the word of God, reject it. Reject it. It be used of Satan to draw you into sin and bring it into captivity. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I'll be the first one to confess, I need a lot of spiritual growth in this area. That every, every thought that I have is brought to the obedience of Christ. Beloved, this old nature would never leave you to the point where you can be 100% sold to the Lord. You'd always have this conflict, the flesh against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, so they're contrary to one to the other. There's no excuse, but you must realize that we're constantly battling between flesh and spirit. The forces of hell know that, and that's why they're constantly putting thoughts into our minds, things contrary to the Word of God, to get us to make a wrong decision. Sins of omission or sins of commission? Oh, we should pray, but oh, I'll do it later. I need to read the Word of God, but I'll do it later. Well, where's that coming from, that thought of doing it later? It could be coming from your enemy, the devil. Ah, oh, don't worry about prayer. you got time to pray. Pray when you go to bed. Oh, I need to call so-and-so and talk to him and encourage him. I'll do that later. See, later never comes. There's two days you don't have to worry about. Yesterday and tomorrow. You can't relive yesterday and you can't live tomorrow yet. 
Live today. If you're going to do something, you have to do it today. Plan to do it today. You're going to read the Scriptures? Don't wait till you go to bed and you can't even keep your eyes open and you're going to give God five minutes. I'm not going to say I haven't been guilty of that at times in my life. We get busy during the day. We do this. We do that. Oh, I need to do my devotion. You come to do your devotion and you're so beat. Next thing you know, you're asleep. Or you pray and go to sleep. I've did that a few times. Be praying false and fall asleep. Beloved, it's a battle we're in. And I just want to give you these verses that you can remember these. Go to these and remember our responsibility starts in our thoughts and minds. We need to be subjected to Christ as we're going to see. Another verse you need to remember, 2 Corinthians 11, chapter 11, verses 13 and 15. For such as false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. That's why I preached a few weeks ago on sound doctrine. It's important that you know what the truth is. And not be deceived by all the false prophets that's gone out into the world. Paul warned us of that. Try the Spirit, see if they be of God. Romans chapter 13, verses 12 and 14. Write these, write those texts down. Romans 13, verses 12 and 14. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. If there's any darkness in us, cast it off, beloved. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness and not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this now. This is what it means when you, Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. It means to put on Christ. He says here, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Beloved, if you put on Christ, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You put, if you walk in the flesh, you're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. The only way we can overcome the flesh is by walking in the spirit. He says in Galatians chapter five, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't mean you'll be perfect, but mean there'll be a battle going on. There's a conflict between God and the, and the world and the Satan. We, there's a conflict going on in your soul. And that you won't walk, walk in sin the way you normally would if you wouldn't have the Spirit of God helping you. We stand in Christ's righteousness. We stand in Christ's strength. We live by Christ's faith. We follow His example. And we abide in Him. Here's where it comes down to the nitty gritty. James chapter 4, 6 through 10. Make sure you write this down and read it every day. James 4, 6 through 10. But He giveth more grace. Wherefore He saith, God resisteth the proud. Now who are the proud? Those that disobey Him are proud. If we do not obey the Lord, we're denying His sovereignty right to be over us. They said in the New Testament, we shall not have this man to reign over us. They didn't want Christ to be the king. They didn't want Him to reign over them. But giveth grace unto the humble. You will need grace, then you have to humble yourself. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit means to get under God's authority. Get under the teaching of the Word. And if there's anything contrary in your life to the Word, you've got to, re- you've got to cast it off, as Paul says. 
resist the devil. But you can't resist the devil until you submit yourself to God. And he will flee from you. There's the promise of God. If you will submit yourself to God, cast off the works of darkness, Satan will flee from you. Resist him and he'll flee. But if you try to resist him and not submit, then you're going to have a problem. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded, be afflicted and mourn. Beloved, sin should cause us to mourn and be afflicted. And poof out your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Oh, beloved, we need God to send a spirit of humility among us. How many are burdened today because of sin? People sin today and don't even think nothing about it. They're sinning against the love of God. They're sinning against the blood of Christ. They're sinning against the drawing of the Holy Spirit. We're in a conflict. And then the last one, we're all familiar with this, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Dave mentioned that this morning. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on Christ completely. As Paul says, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Don't leave anything off that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Boy, Paul really emphasizes that standing. Stand, stand, having done all to stand. Beloved, sometimes you've got to stand against yourself. Your own desires. You have to stand against your own desires. If they're contrary to God's word, stand against them. You can only do that by submitting yourself to God and resisting those desires, casting off the work of darkness. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the blessed plate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shell of faith whereof you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplications in the spirit watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Oh, beloved, that's a sermon. That There will be sermons in itself. David will get to that when he gets to Ephesians chapter 6, and he has a lot of good uh, commentaries to, to get some good thoughts in there. Now, the next thing I want you to read, we're not going to get it. I'm not going to read these. I'm just going to give them to you. I want you to read Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 24. That's the fall. The next thing I want you to read is Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. That's the temptation of Christ. And then one of the oldest books written in the Bible is the book of Job. You need to read that. Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 12. The trying of Job's faith. Those are things where you see Satan active and working. Now we'll be going through each one of these and dealing with these. This is just kind of an introduction. But beloved, through the salvation of Jesus Christ, through His atonement, through His redemption, He has destroyed the works of the devil once and for all. And we have more, we're more, Paul said, we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And died and gave himself for us. We have won the victory. 
Don't, don't accept defeat when you've already won. Look to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of your faith. Look to Jesus, who said, like Paul said, I can do all things through Christ whose infusion strengthened me. When you get to that point where you say, I can't go on, say, oh Christ, you're my strength. I can go on through your strength. Oh Lord, I can't, I just don't have the faith to believe, but I'm going Lord, you gave me faith, and by that faith, I'm going to trust you. Oh, beloved. If you get too downcast, call Brother Dave, Brother Roger, or myself, and we'll try to encourage you in the Lord. And try to encourage someone in your journey. Stay spiritual. Stay in the Word. You may come into contact with a neighbor, with a friend, with a loved one, and you can encourage them in the Lord. Isn't that what it's all about? Members one of another, encouraging one another, being a strength to one another. How many of our children need our encouragement, but it seems like we don't talk to our children? When's the last time, fathers and mothers, you sit down with your sons and daughters and talk to them about spiritual things? This is important. Our sons and daughters need the direction and guidance, and they need to have that spirit of humility and submission to submit to your teaching and submit to God. It's needed. It's needed. May we pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for thy word and testimony. We thank you for the word of God. I'm so grateful, Lord Jesus, that you conquered Satan, you conquered the strong man, and you have gave us the victory. You have removed all the obstacles out of the way, and we can put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provisions for the flesh. We have the armor of God. We have the promises of God. We have the power of God. We have the strength of God, and we have a coming Savior who's going to change us into his likeness. I just want to praise your name, Lord, for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Someone have a song in closing.